0: Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. Because religion, man-centered, performance-based religion, gets Jesus backwards. See, God, we love God because he first loved us. Jesus died when we were still sinners. Faith is offered to you before you ever even have the capacity to live righteously. You you see what I'm saying? All these things that we think we're supposed to be as Christians to be acceptable to God are only available to you once you receive Christ and then you live from his life. You'll never be good enough. You'll never be able to work your way up. It's just not going to happen. Is that good news or what? See now y'all you guys know this, but your friends and family out there, they don't. They need to be hearing this stuff. And keep it simple. The simpler, the better, right? You know, it's this this church isn't about coming in and playing some role and acting like you're something that you're not the other part of your life, it's about coming in and sitting down and, sh- and just repurposing your mind and your heart back on Christ. It's about coming in here and just using this place as a way to just remember what Jesus did for you. You know, if, if the church would function as a hospital and an oasis, and, a, and when I say the church, I mean the entire body of Christ on the planet. And and this is not to say that we have it all figured out. But what we have to offer the world is life. It's transformative. It's powerful. The gospel, if you give someone the gospel, the good news in Christ, the fact that God loves you independent from your works, that you can't be good enough on your own, so Christ took everything so that you could shed your darkness and and enter into light, you know, just what, however God leads you to say it in that moment, people need to hear the gospel. And the gospel in their heart and in their mind is powerful enough to create a transformation. That's what I want to see is transformation in your lives. So I, 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 you know, I don't, I don't want believers that know the truth about Jesus to feel like you're just going to struggle with this stuff for your whole life. You know, people, people need to know God's goodness, but the biggest way they see God's goodness is reflected in your own life. And not because you're so great and wonderful, but because who you really are is different now. And people are like, that guy? God can do that in that guy's life? That in her life? I knew that guy. Something's like, this isn't real. You ever had people look at you (laughs) and say that? You've said it publicly. You'd never guess that, can I say what you... You'd never guess that Laura was an old meth head. No, no. You Would you? Yeah, you were going to say Methodist? You'd never <laughs> guess she was a Methodist. <laughs> 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 but I, I woke up. I'm going to edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> We love the Methodists. (laughs) I I, I woke up, though, with this on my heart, and that is God is patient, Mm. and God is kind, and he loves you. You know, some of us read the Gospels, and we look at Jesus' attitude toward people, and we misinterpret it, that he's impatient. He's like, God, well, how long am I going to have to be here with these people? <laughs> you know, we, we can't read our attitude into that. If I read my attitude into Jesus, he'd be sarcastic all the time. <laughs> but I just don't think that's his thing. You know, maybe a little bit. Paul's pretty sarcastic. <laughs> I I'd probably identify. But, but this idea of patience, right? Now, receive this. Just open your heart for a minute. God has all the time in the world for you. There is not one person that's more important to him than you are. He is patience. He will sit with you and walk with you. And love on you when you think he's got better things to do. I mean, I, I kind of I want this to be a moment of ministry for you from the Holy Spirit. Just, just set your heart on him for a minute. You know, do you think God is impatient with you? Do you feel like he's saying, hurry up, hurry up? You should be further along by now. You know, I mean, there is a sense of urgency in in regard to calling, but as far as you and your heart and your relationship with him, he's not in a hurry. He can be everywhere. You know, he's God. Patient. Patient. Father, we thank you for your patience. Don't don't let yourself get distracted. I know this is very specifically for some of you. You Because because ultimately, his patience for you will develop patience within you for yourself and, and for the world around you. Father, I thank you that your fruit, your spirit, dwells within us that have said yes to Jesus. And I yield to your patience. And I thank you that you never give up on me. You never stop pursuing me. You're not disappointed. You knew what you were getting when you died for me. And you did it anyway. You consider me worth it. Does that mean something to you? He's not going to give up on you. I mean, I almost just want to kind of put the word patience up there and just kind of sit and meditate on it for a little bit. I know it's not your norm. Patience in faith is so vital. You know, we talk a lot about the heart in here. And... In Mark 4 and in Matthew, Jesus teaches the parable of the sower. And he teaches the mystery of the kingdom. And essentially he boils it down to this: the mystery of the kingdom, the nature of the kingdom, how the kingdom works, and how and your experience of the kingdom is like this. It's like a farmer that casts seed into the ground, and the condition of the soil determines. The yield of the crop. Your heart is the soil which the seed gets sown into, right? But God gave you a brand new heart as a believer. He gave you a heart that has all the nutrients, ingredients in it that it needs to facilitate healthy and proper growth of the Word of God in you. He took the old one out and put the new one in, and it's like it came with Miracle Grow in it already. Or whatever farmers use, you know, I don't know. Organic. (laughs) Something organic. It'll sell if you put organic on it. But (laughs) But think think about it. Patience gives room for that seed to grow, the seed of the Word of God in your life. Patience is actually a fruit of God's Spirit within you. It's a grace. When it talks about the gifts of the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit. The word gift is the word charise, which is the word grace, which is an influence inwardly. The patience that you think that you need, you can't just muster it up. You, you don't have it in you. But God in you is that patience. And so the patience keeps the environment weed-free, so to speak, in your heart. The patient, because the parable is this. The condition of your heart, not whether or not you're a good or bad person, or whether or not you're born again or not born again. People argue, well, no, my heart's wicked. There's just wickedness in there. God said he's angry with the wicked, and my heart's bad. Well, God gave you a new heart. Quit sowing bad stuff in it. So we have the option to either abide in Christ in our minds and in our hearts and let his word abide within us, and it produces within us his will, or you can sow worry cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things in there, and it chokes out that word and that seed. But the heart is still trying to connect with God and and draw, the roots of your heart are trying to draw from the nutrients of God in you and water that word. But what we let this world do is rob the time away from us. Because either we are, we get excited, and we jump out, and we're ready to save the world. And then you bump up against the wall, and then you fall back again. <clears throat> or something comes along, and you get offended at the word. You know, I'm just kind of going through this Mark 4 principle here. Maybe we'll go over that a little bit next week. But I want to look at, and I've got several scriptures. Y'all good? You know, we got, We're a, it's actually early. I know we've had about four sermons already, but it's, that's just... <laughs> That's just the body being the body. You, do you appreciate hearing from everybody, you know? Yeah, yeah. I love it because it, it just unpacks. And I know I was talking to Mike this morning, and, and he said, well, I'm not sure if, it, if it's, and I'm not trying to tell on him or make him look bad, it, but it, this is I've been doing this for a while, and this is how it works for me. You never feel like you're fully ready. I'm, I'm going to rabbit trail here for a minute, all right? We'll get back to faith for a second. I'm going to announce my rabbit trail. You ready? We're going to chase it for a minute, but... This is for you as well, because you would think that he like wrote that speech, right? That he came up here, he'd been thinking about that and was ready and delivered it, right? But back there this morning, he was like, I'm not sure if it's if it's where it needs to be, and I need to think about it a little bit. And I'm thinking, if it's alive in this moment, that's when you need to give it. Right? Don't wait, put it out there, let the Holy Spirit do the rest. That's what I do every week. I come in here with a sketch. And then, I, and then I run my mouth long enough and then let the Holy Spirit do the rest. Amen? Amen. But patience with ourselves, patience in faith. And so I, w- I want to talk about faith for just a couple of minutes. We're going to continue on this topic for a couple of weeks. But faith. So faith, you've got, I think of it as a tier, right? You've got believe, faith, and faith obedience. But interestingly, the Greek concept of obedience is just that you are so persuaded of God's ways that it just you just naturally live that way. We think of obedience as, I really want to do this, but God says do that, so I've got to do that to obey. But what real obedience is, I have been so persuaded of God's truth in my heart that that is just naturally what I do. If you're just doing it because you think it's the right thing to do, but it's a challenge or your heart's not really in it, it's a dead work. And you've been delivered from dead works. Amen? So faith means to think to be true, to be persuaded of, or to be confident. Ultimately, to trust. We've been taught that faith is kind of like this mystical commodity that God shows up and gives you. You need more faith, right? You ever felt like that? I don't have enough faith. I need more faith. And you think if I pray or if I do something, maybe if I fast, God will give me some more faith. I need some more of that faith stuff. And it's like faith is not about getting more faith. It's about being more confident in who God already is. Let's just look at a couple of passages here in Matthew 8 verse 1, and, I, and I'll go through these kind of quickly, and then, like I said, in the coming weeks, we'll go back. Matthew 8, 1. We're looking at faith. We're looking at Jesus' attitude. We're looking at where He places the emphasis on what faith is and how you interact with it. And, and then I want to end, I want to bring it kind of full circle back to this idea of seed and patience. Because ultimately, what we're wanting to experience is the seed of Christ within us, manifesting and overtaking our lives, right? We want to experience the seed of the kingdom that is within us. We want to yield to the influence of God in our hearts so that it changes us in every area of our lives. Faith, Patience in faith does that. So let's just kind of look at what Jesus says. So when Jesus came, this is after the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. He says a lot in that. And right after that, he comes down off the mountainside. Large crowds followed him. Verse 2, a man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Verse 3, Jesus reached out his hand, touched the man. I'm willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. Pretty simple, right? Jesus, if you're willing, Jesus says, I'm willing. That's the first thing to know in faith. When, you, when, you're, when you're looking to remain patient, to see that seed bear fruit in your life, that promise of God, whether it be personal transformation or whether it be out something outside of you, God is willing. Just say that, God is willing. God is willing. Jump down to verse 22. So you see that he's willing. Verse 22, Then he got into the boat, And his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came. Anybody facing a furious storm? Maybe you're your own furious storm. (laughs) Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the wave swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up saying, Lord, save us. We're going down. We're going to drown. 26, he replied, said, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? You see that? Why are you fearful, O oh, you of little faith? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it, was com- and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. See, we put the emphasis on, if we have strong enough faith, we can stop storms. Jesus put the emphasis on, why are you afraid? If you're in fear, your faith is little. You get that? doesn't make you a bad person doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It just means in that moment, you lack confidence in God. You lack confidence that God is who he says that he is. God says, I'm a redeemer. I am a deliverer. I am a safe place. I am a comforter. I am a provider. I am a healer. All the names of God, that's your homework this week. Go get a couple of names of God. Pick them out that relate to specifically to your situation, and there's a bunch of them. And pick one out and meditate on it till, it's, till that aspect of who God is is bigger than your problem, just like what Sally said in worship. Find a name, an aspect of God, and meditate on it until in your heart you actually are more confident that God is who he says that he is than the lack of your experience of that name in your life in that moment. Amen. You're transformed by the renewing of your mind. Verse 5, kind of jumping back up. So they face a situation. They don't know what to do. They're freaking out. They think they're going to die. Jesus wakes up, and he says, why are you afraid? Your faith is little. Verse 5, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said, you want me to come heal him? I love that. Verse 8, the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. Think about that. Jesus is offering himself to come to this guy's house. He says, I'm not, I'm not deserving. You ever done that? You ever refused God because you feel like you don't deserve him? We're getting a bunch of sermons in here today, so I'm not, I don't deserve it, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers unto me. I tell you this, I tell you, I tell this one, go, and he goes, and then that one come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said the following, Truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith." Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. You see the difference here? But what was he believing? He said, it happened like you believed that it would. Is the emphasis on how much faith the centurion had or was the emphasis on, I believe in your authority, Jesus, I understand authority. You're a man of authority. He had just seen that Jesus cast out a devil in the temple, the synagogue, right before this. He'd just seen. This guy's like, I don't have this figured out. I don't know how it works, but you got something. And I believe if you say it, it's going to happen. What if you just removed yourself from your expectation of God working in your life and just said, God, I don't know how to do it but I trust you. Amen. Now, I'm not talking about Ferraris and Bugattis and Mansions and, you know, ski nautiques. <laughs> I'm talking about righteousness, peace, and joy. I'm talking about patience. i about wisdom. You know what I mean? Don't, don't pervert this into you just get to get stuff from God. That's not, that's, come on. All right, let me stay on track. I know we're running short, long short and long. So, little faith when you're afraid, great faith when your confidence is in the authority of Christ. And just to back this up, like I said, it's just a real simple thing I want to boil this down to. Two more passages, Romans 12, 3. Jump over to the King James on that one, actually. You know, it's funny because uh, there's all different translations that you get good things out of, but King James is really good for the ofs and the these as far as context and subject when you're looking at things like this. Next week, I'm going to go into this whole thing about faith faith in Christ and the faith of Christ. But I love how this says this because it's actually true to the original language. When he's talking about all the gifts and he's talking about what faith is, I say to you, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. And it's kind of like people that think that they've got more faith than you or more faith or more of the Holy Spirit or more anointing or they've been imparted to by really big names and so they've got more gifts than you. This is who he's talking to. Settle down now. Don't be thinking you're bigger than you are, big boy. Think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now, this might be a paradigm shift for some people because we think that God has given this person that he hasn't given that person, but that's not even what the language says. You have the measure of faith. The fullness of the Godhead bodily dwells in Christ, and Christ dwells in You. You didn't just get a hand. You didn't just get an ear. You got all of them. Amen. Amen. Now, one last verse here in Matthew 13, 31. Matthew 13, 31. Faith you have to look at, and this is this is going to bring it all together. Faith you look at as a seed. You need patience to let that seed grow. How many of you have some things in your life you'd like to see change that you feel like only God can do? And it's our impatience with ourselves and with other people and with the world around us that's choking and limiting his power in our lives. Well, you can't limit God. Oh, yeah? That's exactly what he said the children of Israel did. He said, you got water out of that rock. I wanted to give you honey out of that rock. You limited the Holy One of Israel. You limited what he could do in your life. I mean, he just goes after the Israelites and tells them, I wanted to do so much more for you, but your heart was hardened toward me, and you limited what you let me do for you. Lots of times, Jesus, somebody would ask Jesus something, and he'd say, basically in, in our modern English, he'd say, what are you willing to allow me to do for you? What are you willing to let me do for you? Your faith isn't something that you run to God with in this giant crowbar, and you're trying to pry things out of his hands. Like, I'm going to get something out of God. Mm-hmm. Or you do all these amazing things, and you're like, look, God, how great my faith is. Aren't you impressed? No. Great faith, confident faith, strong faith, big faith, is looking at God and just being more and more and more confident that he is who he says he is. Amen. Amen. And the more confidence that produces in you, the greater your faith is, the greater your capacity to trust him in that area. Amen. Well, I'm just always struggling financially. Well, stop making dumb financial decisions for one thing. But if it's just a mindset, if it's a heart thing, you know, then God is your provider. You're not experiencing him. I'm not talking about Ferraris. We're talking about you not being broke and starving and worried all the time. How, how, would, how, would, how, how nice would it be to never worry about money again? And I don't mean because you got enough money in the bank where you finally feel secure to not worry. I mean, regardless of what you got in the bank, You just don't worry about it. I mean, really? When was the last time you went a week without worrying about money? Uh Uh-oh, we might need need to put some tent pegs in the ground on this one. (laughs) When was the last time you went one week without worrying about money? Didn't God say, I know what you need before you ever even ask? Seek me first and I'll add everything to you that you need. I'm talking to me too. He presented another parable to them saying, the kingdom seed." earlier when they asked him, increase our faith, he talks to them about the mustard seed. Here he expands on how the mustard seed works. So it's like a little bit of a, more of an explanation of how faith works, how the seed of Christ in our heart influences our heart to receive his, his promises, his grace, his gifts. Faith is actually a gift. It's his influence in our life. So we just get a little bit more about what the mustard seed is like here. He presented another parable to them saying the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and sowed into his field. It's not something that you, you get. What we do is we live in a state of panic, and we live in a state of urgency, where it's like, I got to have faith right now because I got to put it into practice now. Well, what if you farmed that way? Those of you that are farmers, I'm hungry. I'm going to go sow some seed in the ground. That doesn't work very well, does it? This is what we do. Because in a moment like this, you've got the opportunity to sow some seeds in your heart that will put you in a place a week from now, a year from now, 10 years from now, where these seeds that you're allowing to grow into your life, you will get to eat the fruit of it. And if you're not eating the fruit of the seeds of the kingdom in your life right now, you either ruined that seed or plucked it up or let the enemy convince you that it wasn't real or just whatever it is, you know? This is not a condemnation thing. It's like every farmer knows. He likens the kingdom to farming. He likens faith, our capacity to stand before God and look at him and admit the truth about who God is and then experience that that facet of God in our life, he likens it to a seed. We're wanting answers now. God, I need an answer now. Well, look at it as a seed. I'm going to let you sow some things in me, God, that I know I'm going to need a week from now, a month from now. So today, I'm just going to make a wise decision based on your principles, and I'm going to let you continue to sow within me your word so that it will produce. And if I stop and worry in this moment right now, I'm plucking up that seed that I'm going to need the harvest a week or a month from now. Still talking about the mustard seed, verse 32, and this is smaller than all the other seeds. It's just the tiniest thing, you know. It's not about getting more faith. It's about being patient and don't let stuff from this world in and choke that seed out. It's smaller than any other seed, but when it's full grown, it's larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air and, and the net and nest in its branches. And then verse 33, he kind of expands it a little bit more. He spoke another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three pecks of flour until it was all leavened. That's, that's faith and patience being mixed together. Those are the ingredients in your heart. Take the word of God. See, we're all on this journey of going from a believer to a disciple, to a servant, to a leader. A believer says, yep, Jesus, what you did was for me. I believe it. I'm going to heaven. Thank God I'm not going to hell anymore. And a lot of people just stay there. A disciple is somebody that actually says, no, this is my Lord and my God. His ways are life to me. I'm going to get in his word I'm going to keep stuff in front of me that, that reminds me of God's ways, how he thinks. And it's best revealed in Jesus. It's a good idea to keep the words of Jesus in your heart and in your mind and before you and think about it. And when you're praying or when you're making decisions, you add the ingredient of God's word in there. You ever, you got, tomorrow you got decisions to make. Find some type of principle in the Word of God and factor that into your decision-making process. You know, you can even put yourself on kind of a regiment where you read a proverb a day. Very easy, take you five, ten minutes. You know, it it could even correspond to the month or the day of the the day on the calendar. Read that psalm or that proverb for that day. And just look in there and say, okay, well, this is what God says life is like. If I live this way because these are the instructions of how to be a human on this planet, and if I do it this way, it works best, right? It's, it's not about obedience to be blessed by God as if meaning you keep a rule and then God shines his favor on you. It's like, no, it, you're using this tool the wrong way. You're doing human wrong. You do human this way, And it's life for you. And oh, by the way, my spirit's in you, leading you and guiding you all along, drawing you into truth so you'll make those decisions to live in agreement with how I have remade you to be. And I will be with you. And all of my promises are yes and amen. And my spirit is continually reminding you that you're my child. And no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And if God be for you, who can be against you? You know, then it's like, all right, I'm going to increase, so it's like you've got that word in there, and then patience is making sure that those weeds of worry and doubt and fear don't take root, and then you extend the capacity with which that seed can grow in by the bigger picture of who God is and these promises. You know, I, I don't know how to get all this stuff to work in my life, but I know this about God. I know that God is faithful, I know that God cares for me because he died for me. Amen. I know that his love is what will bring wholeness to my heart. Amen? Amen. Faith in faith and patience. What does that look like for you? How, how can you put that into practice this week? What is it that stood out to you today? Just go ahead and remember right now. So when you go out to lunch and you say, well, that was a great sermon, what would they say? I don't know. Just go ahead and decide right now this is what I'm going to remember. What, what, is it, what are you going to remember? It's for you. Yeah, I know we had eight sermons, so you get to forget eight times. But think about that, though. It, what is it for you? You know, I, I don't want to zip it up and put a bow on it for you. You take this with the Holy Spirit. What, how is this going to affect your life? You know, don't walk out of here with guilt and condemnation thinking, well, I am one impatient son of a gun. You might be, but you know what? Now's the opportunity to change because God will live through you. You just yield your heart to him. There are things that he's doing in your life right now that you need to let him do in your heart in this moment because you're going to need that element of him to manifest in your life. Do you see that? To me, that's what I'm taking out of this. I preach to myself, too, when I'm doing this stuff. I mean, to teach is to learn twice. It just is. That, that's what I'm leaving with. The, I don't want to go out of here today and let things that I'm going to need two years from now to be uprooted. You know, I, I want to be able to make those decisions that God's calling me to make and not limit him because I'm afraid in that moment. You know, we, we just ignore God. There are so many things that God's calling you to do. And because of the condition of our lives or because, you know, we just, just try to get through the day. We just choke it. And I, I get it. Life's hard, you know. I mean, there, there are, and I told the worship team this morning, this place is making a, a real difference in people's lives. Not just these couple hundred people sitting in the room that come through weekly, but people online watching. Real transformation is happening. You know, we shifted our focus back to, and and I, gosh, I hate to I hate to run through the list, but I but I, you know, I'll just say it this way: real matters, alcohol recovery, substance abuse recovery. People actually facing suicide. Now, I'm talking about people that I have communicated with directly in the past two weeks. People contemplating suicide. People have done something that was an accident that is causing blindness in their spouse's life. I mean, just things that people carry such guilt for. The the inability to move past the abuse of their past. Marriages suffering, people coming out of divorce now, you know, real things happening. So you're sitting here and you've got real life situations going on in your life. We're not talking about, you you don't get to exclude yourself in this process because I see it working in very dark situations. You don't get to sit there and say, well, but you don't know what I'm going through. I'm special. I'm unique. My situation is harder than what you know. You're not special. I mean, I know, I'm, I know I'm hitting it kind of hard, but I'm telling you, don't walk out of here thinking, well, once I get through this, then I'll be able to do that kind of stuff. No, right now, in the middle of it, when it's staring you in the face, are you going to be able to hold on to that patience? Because you're going to eat the fruit of whatever it is you allow to grow in your life. Your situation is not any more difficult than this other stuff because the Spirit of God is more powerful than anything. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for giving us your Spirit. We thank you that every single attribute that you are, and that you worked in Christ can be worked in our own lives. We just want to be confident in who you are. We want to get ourselves out of the way. Stop choking out your influence and stop limiting the the word of life within us so that we reflect your glory because the world around us is dying. Don't, Don't lose, don't Don't get distracted here. Connect to this. The world around you is dying, and they need life and they need light. And it's very simple. You you give it to them in love. You don't have to be a theologian, you don't have to know chapter and verse. You have to be convinced of God's love for you. The more you are convinced of God's love for you, the more of a light and a life you're going to be for others around you. I'm going to sow patience in people's lives around me. I'm going to extend patience. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to let them walk all over me. I'm not going to have unhealthy boundaries. I'm not going to be a doormat, but I'm going to extend patience. Amen? Amen?